Welcome back to the FAA podcast. I'm Fraser Jack, and this is day three at the Congress uh, coming to you. And there's a bit of a bit of an early start to the morning. Not too many people around after a wonderful evening gala dinner last night. But I'm joined by Nathan Fradley. G'day, Nathan. Good morning, Fraser. Uh, thank you for coming over to the podcast booth and having a yarn. A um, couple of things I wanted to talk to you about, uh, which I think has been interesting for many, many people out there, advisors and, and, and planners listening to this, is uh, two things that I want to talk about. One is the transition that you've done, uh, probably not so recently now, a, a couple of years back, you moved, merged your business in with a large business, and I'm going to find out a little bit about that. Uh, and then I wanted to also talk to you about um, uh, the ethos and the, and the ESG investing uh, software product that you've also um, been working on. Yeah, excellent. So, so tell us about, uh, firstly, tell us about uh, your your transition, your business. What um, what happened with you and your, your story with regards to wanting to merge your business or sell your business or, or, or move in with a, a larger group? I think the there's probably I'm probably not a stranger in um, thinking when you're a single AR running a business with you know one or half or 1.5 um, FTE of assistance, it's hard. And I did that for almost eight years. Um, and what I really thought through was what do I love about this job? What do I not like? And how do I get to get rid of what I hate and keep what I love? Um, and for me, being a practice principal was never a priority. You know, I started my business because I needed a space to be able to do it right. Um, previously working at the bank and just really wanted to to operate in a way that I was comfortable with. Um, so I started putting some feelers out, spoke to a few different people, met Ryan Watson. We hit it off immediately. You know, I even even to the point of like he, that day after he, I talked to him, he's like, "Oh, next client, you know, I want you to charge six instead of three because I was horrendously undercharging for my work." I went in there. With that forward, they were like, yeah, sure. And I was like, what have I been doing? And I think that was the missing element there is just a bit of backing there. And so we got talking through, you know, what's going to work? What do, what, what do we think is not going to work? What's going to go wrong? All that kind of stuff. You know, that was that was pretty good. We, we hit it off quickly. The transition happened relatively straightforward initially. Um, the biggest challenge uh, I found was actually going from being a single AR principal of practice, uh, working with one person to working with a team of 21. And that was a massive change. I've been solo for almost 10 years, basically. Um, even when I was at the bank, I did everything myself. So finding a rhythm, working with others, getting everything out of your head and into a system to enable you, that's taken me probably a good 12 to 18 months. And I'd say the last six months, I've really hit flow. Um, we've got a fantastic, we run diamond team structures, got a fantastic team. They are killing it. I reckon I'm spending maybe 30% of my time doing advice. Um, which is, you know, I love doing advice, but I love doing other things as well. And that was one of the reasons I came across. And then I'm spending probably 40% of my time developing and working with my team and doing leadership work. And then 30% of my time bringing in business. Yep. So in a lot of appointments, but not my clients. So I've almost got this perfect mix now. And it you know, ebbs and flows as you go. But what that's enabled me to do is really work with the clients that only the clients I want to instead of taking on everything. Um, and I'm only doing like emotionally complex, technically complex work, you know, divorces, uh, aged care, um, you know, complex estate matters, pretty much anything where you're working with a lawyer, that's the kind of work that I'm doing, um, which again is super fulfilling. I love that stuff. Um, and then I get to, you know, work with my advisors in the team to, you know, to develop from there. Well, so, um, I spoke to Sue from Alexa um, in, a, in a previous podcast uh, yesterday about the conversation around when you um, 
you, you, when your values align, things work and those sorts of things. Uh, prior to um, prior to going and, and meeting with them, um, did you have any expectations? And, and I'd never had anything to do with them. I I'd, I'd seen the social media stuff, which was pretty tight, and I was like, "That's really cool." Um, and I got introduced from Craig Bigelow, um, you know, who a lot of people know formerly uh, Risk Advisor. Now he's changed changed to uh, mortgages. And um, yeah, so I had no expectations. But Ryan and I, we're, we're both pretty visionary, I think, and we hit that off straight away. I 100% bought into what they were, were trying to do and just got on board with that. And I think the values alignment's really important. Right? We've got this, if you ask anyone at Tribeca, what's the like, number one reason we can Tribeca? It's the people. And we have this team of people who just want to get better. So we are constantly, just as part of our culture, thinking about what are we doing, how do we do better, and then the business is investing in things like that. We had Vanessa Bennett come out recently to do her NEP stuff with us and, you know, just sensational work to help us get better. Um, but everyone, everyone's doing it. It's not just like, you know, we, we're putting it on for the sake of it and then everyone walks out of the training session and does nothing with it. And I think that to me is an extremely important part of, of why I'm loving working. Yeah, fantastic. And so, and that's important, isn't it, that you go into a place that you, where you work and you love, love going in? Yeah, absolutely. I think I, you know, a lot of people do hybrid and work from home. I just work from the office. Yep. I, I very rarely work from home. I love, just love being there. Yep. So you merged your practice into a larger group yep. and then how did that work? Did they buy it off you or did you get shares or are you? Yeah, so they bought it off me um, and I'm straight employee now. Yep. So um, brought the business in, you know, navigated the challenges of migrating data across and matching up all that kind of fun stuff. Um, and then we sort of made our way through the book and I, we had about 70 clients and ended up with about 45 that I've sort of a, a bunch of them we just kind of went look they're low fees let's just be there for them but not continue but I also increased uh, my book fees by about 50% so you halved your numbers but you doubled your fees so therefore you ended up in a similar position absolutely and is there anything I mean I've sold a practice before um, and there's, there's certainly things I would do differently is there anything that you would do differently um, we, what we tried to do and the big learning we've had since then is we tried to get me to be normal planning and transition at the same time. Um, learning new systems, learning new processes, bringing in business, and me being me, a bit too excited, jumped straight at the challenge, and I think that became quite overwhelming. So when we took a step back and prioritized, okay, well, let's get, let's get everything in the system properly, let's take it a bit slower, that just took a bit of pressure off, it freed up a headspace, and then we could deliver exactly what we're intending. Yep. Yeah, and like you said now, you've sort of found your, your flow. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. And uh, tell, tell me a little bit more about um, the, so for those that don't know Ethos and, and, and what you've done in that space, how did, how did this opportunity come to you and, and how did you then obviously pick up on it and run with it? I, um, I've always been an advocate of Don't Ask, Don't Get and I saw a report on LinkedIn once, thought it was fantastic, reached out to them and did a demo and then it was very early in Ethos's um, development and then said, can I bring it to Australia? And then started working uh, with Luke and the team, they're based in the States and just a part of the team now. Um, so, um, yeah, basically developed the product from what it was, which was intended for financial advisors, to something that actually works with financial advisors because I, I am a financial advisor, so I get it. Yep. Um, and then we've further developed that into, you know, into working with SMA providers, into private wealth, into fund managers. It's, it's a very comprehensive product. But effectively, it, it takes that ethical investing piece and makes it, super, super straightforward and easy for advisors that just don't feel confident to do their own research. Yeah. What did you love about the report? Obviously, you, you had a, um, I don't want to say a bias, but you had a, 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 a this, this concept around ethical investing and understanding what's in the underlying, uh, what the underlying companies inside of funds are doing. 
The big one was, I mean, first of the presentation of it, it's just excellently presented. That's what caught my attention in scrolling, but also the transparency. So one of the bigger challenges I always had was trying to find good quality reporting where I could actually understand why a fund scored a certain way. And too often I'd see a fund that was a very, very good impact fund ranking very similar to something that did very little um, or was an index fund. And um, you could never find out why. And it, from day dot, um, ethos was all about transparency. So everything, every data point, you can find exactly where it comes from and why that scored that way, which is, I think, a really important part. You don't have to do that every time, but knowing it's available just gives you that strength of conviction. Can you tell me exactly how you use that report with your clients? So uh, usually we'll do a, um, an assessment. So there's a questionnaire. What are the three most important things to you to sort of narrow that field? Otherwise, it's everything every time and you're there for a while. And then that dives into each of the areas. So you know, within climate change, there might be reduced emissions. You know, within um, you know, social equality, there might be workers' rights things, but also housing things. There's different aspects of what's important to a client. And so we go through that with them. And then that group is a persona. And that persona changes the ratings of any investment. So if you've got uh, a client that's really, really you know, cares about climate change, Tesla might be a fantastic investment. But if they care about workers' rights, well, that's a bit probably more questionable. Um, I was having a fantastic client um, conversation yesterday with an advisor who was asking me about, he's struggling with, he's in the Northern Territory, and he said, look, I've got a lot of really, really green clients, but then I've got a lot of people who work in the mines, and they don't want to exclude mining. And I said, well, you know, are they all working on union sites? He said, yes. I said, I guarantee you they care about labor rights. He said, that's an ESG issue. So it's not about people immediately jump to environmental. It's about lining up what people care about and everyone cares about something. And then using that can compare their current investment, maybe, you know, if it's, if it's a socially um, aware option within their super funds using that, and then, you know, one or two other options and can quantifiably show an improvement in outcome across the things they care about. Um, it's fantastic for compliance. Um, all the compliance firms I've chatted to love it. It's fantastic for your file. But most importantly, it makes sense to clients. They see it's better. And and that's what most people just want. They want it to be better. They don't want it to be perfect. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and, that, and that's interesting, isn't it? Because if you actually ask the question of the client, about workers' rights or about what, – what, give me some of the categories that you that people really resonate towards. Well, the, so the top three categories in the world, climate change is number one and then sustainable resource use is number two, which is partly environmental and actually partly um, modern slavery comes into that as well. Um, if you think about a lot of resources, um, particularly in, in the African continent and sort of some of the challenges around supply chain there. And then gender equality is number three in the world, which is really, really interesting. Um, and then there's a, there's a variety of other sort of major categories around things like, you know, life on earth, life below the sea, that kind of stuff. Um, and then there's some social categories that get into things like healthcare, um, you know, firearms, which funnily enough in the US is a really, really big thing. It comes up top almost all the time. In Australia, less of a concern, funnily. You know. We don't even think about firearms here, do we? It's exactly. like, oh, 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 right, firearms. Yeah, tobacco, which doesn't come up that often. You'd be, you'd be surprised how little people care about tobacco again because it's not such an issue these days. So it, you know, it expands into all those kinds of things as well as things like board governance and transparency of data, free flow of information. There's, there's more to it than just, you know, mm environment which i think a lot of people don't realize and it's interesting though when I, just on that firearms there, there are actually australian businesses that that do very well and make a lot of firearms but they're supplying military yeah absolutely yeah like all the they'll supply that one component of a scope that you know puts a red dot somewhere that you know yeah. they've got a contract for yeah, and it's and then yeah, doing really really well out of it yeah yeah 
Fantastic. And so uh, when, when you're working with your clients, uh, are you reporting every year on there or all the time? Is it constant? Um, we'll, we'll do it as part of a review. Um, so it, Ethos tracks data over time. So we've been running it for three years now. So we're actually starting to see trends in we know what funds um, are engaging. We know who they're engaging with. We know what companies uh, are putting up resolutions and being voted on. We know who's voting on them. And we're starting to see the story of companies that are engaged with trend upwards, which was a hypothesis, but it is happening in yep. the data, which is really, really cool. So using that, you can then show your clients that not only is it, you know, it's, it's progress over perfection. We can be better now and over time, this will improve as well. Yep. And we can show that. One of the uh, hottest topics, I think, in ethics is around the conversation of AI and how mm-hmm. that's uh, that's working. Is that something that you're seeing under trend? That's it's actually not a it's not a cause that we developed, and it's something we've been chatting about because it fits within the free and secure flow of information, but it also fits within labour, and it also it crosses so many areas. And it's a it's a conversation we've been having around, um, particularly with you know the Screen Actors Guild and all this kind of stuff. Like, where does it actually sit within the scope? Because it touches almost everything um, but most things do there's there's a intersectionality around almost all causes um, which which is really interesting yeah fantastic uh, Nathan if somebody wants to get hold of you and talk to you either about uh, how they merge their practice or, or um, uh, reporting on, on ethical investments what's the best way for them to reach out and find you LinkedIn's always the best I'm always happy to have a conversation um, and I'm having conversations so don't feel like you're you're the only one I'm I genuinely happy to chat to people about that journey that I've made, the decisions and how I got there, and I know I've directly um, influenced people in their decisions recently. They've sent me some notes saying, hey, thank you so much for the chat. This is what's helped me. So please reach out for that. And then same with anything ethically investing related. Um, LinkedIn is 100% the easiest way to get in touch with me. Fantastic. Thanks, Nathan. Thanks, Grace.